Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. So open your Bibles if you can. I'm just going to read a couple of quick um, uh, verses from the Christmas story. And uh, the first few verses is in Matthew. And then we're going to swing over to Luke. And I'm not going to preach for long. Um, but, uh, but we're going to look at this. And I'm going to share something with you. Matthew chapter 2. And uh, starting from verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he? Underline that if, if, uh, if you're one of those people that likes to, to uh, draw all over your Bible. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod... The king heard this. He was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ, or another version says, where is the Christ who is to be born? Underline that as well. Where is the Christ who is to be born? And then over in Luke chapter 2 and verse 10, I'm just going to read that. You don't have to turn. Um, Then the angel said to them, this is the angel speaking to the shepherds, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day a city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, you will find, you will find him wrapped in swaddling swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. As we look at the Christmas story, I just want to point out to you through these few verses that the Christmas story, such a large percentage of the Christmas story involves people that are on a search to find Jesus. That's really, if, if we sort of look at the, the majority of the story and really the majority of the people in the story, as we just read, the wise men began a search to find this Jesus that they had heard talked about by the angels. The shepherds as well were also on a search to find Jesus. Even Herod, if you look at it, even Herod in a sense for different reason, but he's still, Herod was still also on a search to find Jesus. I want to talk about that a little bit at Christmas Eve what it means to find Jesus. When we talk about Jesus, for those of us who know him as our personal Lord and Saviour, you'll know that when I talk about finding Jesus, I'm not just talking about a graphical or geographical rather location. I'm not just talking about Jesus, the baby Jesus that we celebrate in the manger. When we talk of finding Jesus, we know if you've found Jesus before, that when you find Him and you encounter Him, it's so much more than just a baby in a manger. That the Bible says that whom the Son has set free shall be free indeed. That when you find Jesus, you actually encounter true Freedom, that no freedom exists outside of Jesus Christ. That at the Christmas time, at Christmas time, we talk about these words hope and joy and peace. We celebrate that, and people actually use terminologies like this where we'll say Christmas time is the season of joy. 
Christmas time is the season of hope. But if you've found Jesus before, you will know that hope is not just a season. Hope, when you find Jesus, doesn't just, isn't, is not just bound to it being a season. Hope becomes your lifestyle. That when you find Jesus, you may have moments where you're fearful and challenges that you walk through, but there is an eternal security that comes through knowing Jesus Christ, that your hope is not momentary. Your hope is not restricted to a season. That when the season finishes and we pack up the tree and the presents are all unwrapped and the decorations come down, my hope does not finish, but my hope continues because it was never in a season. It was never in decorations. It was never in presents. It was always in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, you need to find Jesus. Not find religion, not find church even. I love church. I'm a pastor. I'm into it. I think this is amazing. But I want to tell you the destination of your journey and your walk with God has to be a revelation of who Jesus is this Christmas. Knowing what it is to find Jesus, that when we find Jesus, we get through encountering Jesus absolute peace. The Bible says that it's a peace it surpasses or a peace that bypasses our understanding. That when the season, the season, Christmas season of peace finishes, my peace doesn't finish. My peace through Jesus Christ, it continues. That yes, we all have those moments where we focus more on our issues, we focus more on our challenges and turmoil perhaps that might be going on around us or that's in our life. But understand that if you've found Jesus, you have the opportunity for absolute, complete peace 24-7 all the time. Jesus is not a season. Yes, in this season, for some reason, we seem to focus on Him more because He is the essence of what we're celebrating as Chris, as, at Christmas. But I want to encourage you this morning that God did not become flesh and hang on a cross for a season. God came flesh and hung on a cross so that we could encounter Him and find Him and walk with Him every single moment of our entire lives. That when you wake up in the morning, He's there. His presence is with you. It's surrounding you and you can experience it beyond a season. Beyond a season. And I want to give you just real quickly four quick points on how to find Jesus. Because understand that when I'm talking about this, this is not just a message for those of you that perhaps do not know Him or have walked away from Him. While this absolutely is something for you and I've been praying for those people this week that you'll encounter Him in this service. But I want to challenge you, church, that finding Jesus is not a once-off event that happens in our life. And then from that, we just go on, continue to live what we were doing, knowing that when we die, we go to eternity in heaven because we've found Jesus. The Bible says that if we draw near to him, then he will draw near to us. It suggests to us that finding Jesus is not a once-off occurrence, but it's a daily, 
a daily thing that we need to be doing. I don't know about you, but I need, I need to find Jesus every single day. I cannot, I cannot afford to go out and try and do life on my own if I'm not finding and encountering Him every single day. That there's a greater call that I believe that God wants to send out to us as a church this Christmas, that we would be people. What is the Christian walk? Let me sum it up for you real quickly. It's finding Jesus every single day. You can find Him driving in your car. It takes but a second. You might have a busy schedule and you might have a lot going on. But if you could just take a moment to step out of your busyness and from your heart say, Lord, I just need to sense your touch. There He is right there. You found Him in a moment. I want to encourage you, make that decision to find Him every single day and even more so. At Christmas, and I want to just show you how to find him. You might say, Ben, that's good. I would love to, to, to do that every single day. I want to go show you a few things from this Christmas story on four ways to find Jesus. The first way I take from Luke, not just Luke 2, verse 10, but there's other verses that I'll show you in this story. Then the angel said to them, Look at what she begins with. The angel, he or she, begins with, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings. Of joy In Luke 1 and verse 30, again, the angel says to Mary, don't be afraid. And in Matthew 1 and verse 20, again, the angel says to Joseph, don't be afraid. The first way to finding Jesus is we have to fear not. Angel said, don't be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Saying, Essentially, he's saying, don't choose fear, but choose joy. Don't choose to be fearful of what might happen or fearful of what we think will happen. Remember the story of the disciples in the boat with Jesus. And when the the, the Bible says that the storm was surrounding the boat and the disciples woke up Jesus and they said this to Jesus. They said, Master, Master, we are going to drown. So often I think our fear is not necessarily wrapped up in what's happening, but what we think is going to happen. Our fear is so often wrapped up in a negative prediction of where we think our situation is headed. I want to tell you, make a decision to, as this angel said to Mary in these verses, choose joy over your fear. Have you heard that, vo- that verse? We know that verse in Nehemiah. What does it say? It says, the joy of the Lord will be our strength. The joy of the Lord. It's His joy that gives me strength, not my joy. My joy is sometimes up and down. I don't know about you, but sometimes it can be. My joy is not very dependable. But His joy is the one that I can stand on. Recently, Cresta and I took Luca, our son. He's turned one. Not long ago, we took him to Disneyland. Come on, you need to be close to Jesus to take a one-year-old to Disneyland. We took him to Disneyland um, only to find that the majority of the rides in Disneyland uh, are actually not designed for a one-year-old. 
You know when you go up to the front of the line? You know when you wait in those queues for about three and a half days and you wait and then finally your day comes, your moment comes. Come on, it's like being called, you know, it's like coming before the judgment seat when finally it's your time to get on the ride after that wait. And you come through and you've got to understand Luke is one. So his attention spans about probably about two and a half, three seconds. And you come up and you, and you get on that ride. You know that they have the little line, you know, that you've got to reach. Your height has got to reach a particular line. Luke is about four foot short of the, every line. So finally we find this ride. It's, it was Pirates of the Caribbean, if you know what I'm talking about. So we've got a few pirate fans here. And so what we did was we get, we get on the little boat, you know, the little boat thing, and you, you slowly start cruising around. It's his first time at Disneyland, right? And the kid's won. So he's sitting between us and, and we're going, going through and there's the little, the little um, figurines. You know how they have? And they're singing, you know, arr, arr, pirates. Like, Shut up. That's my pirate voice, all right? It's the best I got. I'm sorry. And, and they're singing the song, you know, pirates, life for me, whatever. And, and we're going through, but it's, it's, and the whole ride is surrounding the theme of a pirate's life, you know. And, and as we're going through, it suddenly occurred to me how, um, how psychotic a pirate's life really is. Have you ever looked closely at these figurines? I mean, there's pirates that are passed out drunk in their own vomit. It's a kid's ride, you know. Kids are like, Daddy, why is he asleep? We're like, I mean, you know, he just drank too much. Like, how do you explain that to a one-year-old? It, it, it's so bizarre. They're like yelling out, upset. Like one, the one pirate's like, I'm going to kill you. And the other's like, I'm going to slit your throat and drink your blood. We're like, whoa, hey, hey, listen, let's, let's just chill things out a bit. You know, it's like the pirate's life is quite intense. And, and anyway, we come through, but it comes to those, those parts of the ride. Do you know where the little boat, it starts to go up? And then you know that there's like a little drop on the other side. So as it starts to do something different, Luca gets this. His eyes are like, like this, and he's like, what's happening? He, you can see he's starting to freak out. But what I noticed he kept doing was, every time he started to freak out, he would look up at me to see if I was smiling or not. The moment he might be freaking out, but the moment he looked up and saw me and I would smile at him, then he would be okay. See, understand it was in that moment, he didn't have joy, he had fear. But when he looked and saw that his dad was smiling, it was his dad's joy that gave him strength to get through what he was going through. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I want to tell you, your heavenly father is smiling right now, saying to you, listen, hang in there, it's going to be okay. Let my joy be your strength right now. Let what I'm, let my smile over your situation tell you, hang in there, it's going to be okay. There might be ups and downs, there might be things you don't understand. But my perspective is very different. We've got to let His joy be our strength. How do you find Jesus this Christmas? You don't fear. You take captive, the Bible says, take captive every single thought. I pray it often over my own life and my own mind. I bind my mind to the mind of Christ and I take every thought captive and I command my thinking to come in line with the Word of God. If it does not line up with the Word, I don't want it in my mind. Pray it over your thinking. The second thing is 
in Luke 2 and verse 7. And we know the story. The Bible says that when they got to the inn, it says that there was no more room in the inn. It's interesting. It doesn't say it wasn't that they didn't have enough money. They had money for a room, but there was actually no space. If you understand the, what was happening at that time, this was a time of festivities. This was a time of everybody gathering. This was, this was party time in the town. So all of the hotels, all of the inns are full. I want you to picture this. You have an innkeeper who is doing good business right now. An innkeeper who is jam-packed full. He is busy. He's excited. He's running around. He's so caught up in the festivities that when Jesus... Mary and Joseph come knocking. The innkeeper is too busy, too caught up in the season to give a little bit of space for Jesus. I want to tell you the second way to find Jesus is we have to forget distractions. Isn't it? Crazy to think that how close the innkeeper was to the birth of Christ, yet still missed it. Only but a room away, possibly. Yet he still missed the birth of Jesus Christ. He still was not there at that place of encounter. It makes me wonder, I want to ask you this question. How many times have we been seconds, moments away from that place of encounter, but we just got too busy? We just got caught up in everything that was going on. Well, we could have had that encounter. God was ready to pour out. We were moments away from encountering His joy, encountering His peace. But we just got caught up in the season. We got caught up in all of the different distractions on what was going on around us. If you want to find Jesus, you have to fear not and you have to forget distractions. Put distractions aside. Everything else can wait. There is nothing more important than finding Jesus. The other thing in this story in regard to distractions, the Bible says that when the wise men in Matthew 2 and verse 2, the wise men said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Understand that the star, this was a supernatural occurrence. This wasn't just a normal star. This was a cool thing. This was an amazing thing. This was, if you like, a miracle in itself. The star was something that was incredibly powerful in the sky. But I love the fact that the wise men recognized that the star was not there to be worshipped. But the star was there to guide them to the one that was. Sometimes, listen, sometimes the good things in our life can be our greatest distractions. And I think sometimes in church life, we can be surrounded by so many amazing, powerful things. Our worship, yes, it's incredibly powerful. It's amazing. Our sermons that we hear from our team and our pastors, they're incredible. They're amazing. 
but they're just stars in the sky. The church is awesome. Our family, everything that God has done in our life, everything that God understands, God provided the star. The star was awesome. The star was amazing. But it was still just a star and it was there for a specific purpose. Why do we preach our sermons? Not so that you would worship the sermons, but so that the sermons would guide you to the Jesus we're preaching about. Why do we sing our songs? Why do we do the screens? Why do we make everything look amazing? Not so that we would worship the musicians or the songs, but so that we would see the songs as stars that would guide us to an encounter with Jesus. The songs won't change you. Listen, my words won't change you. But if they point you to Jesus, if you find Jesus through this sermon, I want to tell you, you will walk out of here completely different. It's all about finding Jesus. I think we've got to be very careful as we get better and better at doing church that we don't create and raise up people to just worship stars, that we recognise the stars are awesome. As the wise men said, we saw the star, but I've come to worship Jesus. I know the church and I know service is on and I know they're going to sing songs and I know He's going to preach a message and I know it's going to be great and the lights are going to be awesome and we're going to light candles. But I came to worship Jesus. I didn't come for all of this stuff. While as great as it is, I've come to find Jesus, encounter Him. I need a touch from God this morning. Are you here to find Jesus? I want to encourage you. Let's make a decision. I want to live this as a lifestyle. I want to constantly every day find Jesus. I've got to find Jesus. Like I said, whether it's in your car, maybe it's in a service, maybe it's at home in worship, maybe it's just for a moment. While you're doing your laundry, I don't know what it is you're doing, but I want to tell you from your heart, you will cry and say, Lord, I just want to encounter you. His presence will be there and you'll find Jesus and He'll give you the grace you need to get you through that day. Knowing what it is to find Jesus. Our keys can come. I'm going to go through the last couple real quickly. First one is fear not. Second, forget distractions. The third one, in Matthew 2 and verse 3, it tells us about Herod has his freak out moment. Herod who was king at the time, had a throne, had a palace, had servants, had the success, had the fame, had the fortune. But then he freaks out when he hears of Jesus. He freaks out and starts doing crazy things. You know the story and starts killing all the unborn because he's Why does he do this? Why does Herod have this type of reaction? Because he's so focused on himself. He's so, Herod is actually so focused on everything that he's accomplished. He's afraid that if Jesus comes, he's afraid that if he finds Jesus, so to speak, that he's going to lose everything he has. He's afraid that if Jesus takes his place as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, where is that going to leave me? 
What's the third way to find Jesus is you've got to focus not on yourself, but upon Him. We don't filter Jesus through our life. Everything we want. Yes, I'll take the message. I'll take the Christian life. And then I'll filter it through my dreams and my desires and what I want to do with my family and, and my business and how I want it to run and what I want to do. And then, and then at the end of it, that's, no, no, no. He comes first. Jesus, and I know this is elementary if you like, but I feel like sometimes the simplest things are actually, they're quite hard to do sometimes. I don't know about you, but I find myself sometimes I've got to even this stuff, I've got to remind myself of. You know what? He comes first. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, wherever you want me to go, I'm focused on you. Matthew, he says, to seek first the kingdom of God. And what's so great is the heavenly Father that you serve. He's not one that will leave you without. His Word says that if I ever natural father knows how to give good gifts to his natural son, how much greater do I as your heavenly Father know how to give you good gifts? When you seek first His kingdom, He says that all of these things will be added unto you. When you seek first His face, when you seek first His presence before anything else, God will do all of the other. Sometimes I think we've, we get so focused on trying to achieve all the other. And we put all of our time and all of our effort and energy into trying to do all the other. And it gets hard and it gets tiring. And that's what we get prideful and we get greedy and we get selfish. And God says, guys, listen, you've got it around the wrong way. Seek first me. I can do all the other in a second. Let me do it in, in my own timing. But I need you to focus on me. And the last thing, fear not, forget distractions, focus on Him. And I wrote this down, follow, follow His sound or follow the sound of the Holy Spirit. It began, for each person in this story, it began with a, a command, if you like, or a, there was a communication from God. For Joseph, it was through a dream. For Mary, it was through an angel. It became, there was communication from God directly to their situation. Do you know that He wants to be so involved in every single minute detail of our lives. And He wants to talk to us. We forget. I think we get so, I think we get almost like so religious that we forget how personal He is. He's a personal God. I heard someone say this the other week and I thought it was cool. He was referring, as a preacher referring to, to when people talk about reading the Word. People said, oh, I, I find it so hard to read the Word. Every time I read the Word, I fall asleep when I'm reading, reading the Bible and at night in bed. And this preacher said, he said, that's funny. He said, because I never had a problem with my kids fell asleep in my arms. 
We forget how, how personal God is. Now, I've, now that we have a son, I get to understand, I feel like the, the father heart a little bit more. And those of you that have kids, you know what I'm talking about. How much joy we take in the little things. God wants to speak to you. The Bible says that we need to pray without ceasing. That would suggest, if prayer is a two-way conversation, that would suggest, suggest that our Heavenly Father is speaking to us constantly. And He's only ever speaking greatness over our lives. He's only ever reminding us that I've got you. My hand's on you. I'm guiding you. I'm directing you. Don't worry about everything that's going on. I love you. I created you with a plan and purpose. I know what you're feeling right now. I get you one of the greatest revelations. And I know this will sound so crazy to you, but it meant so much to me. was when the Lord spoke to me once when I was praying. I had so many things going on. And He said this. He said, Ben, I get you. And I know for you that doesn't necessarily perhaps make much sense. But for me, it was like this light came on where my God gets me. That I don't, I don't have to sort of be something I'm not. I don't have to try and work out how to even communicate what I'm going through. He just looks at me and says, but I get it, I get it. Why does He get it? Because He created me. I went through this season where when I first got saved, where I was trying so hard to do everything right. I was trying to read the Word and, and, and I get like ADD like crazy, right? I like sit down. You should see me prepare sermons. It's quite embarrassing. I'll, I'll sit down, I'll read, then I'll get up, then I'll walk around, then I'll put on worship, then I'll sit back down, then I'll have a coffee, then I'll walk around. Then I'm, and that's how I spend time with God. And I remember praying to God saying, God, it's, it's so hard. I can't, I find it so hard to concentrate and just read through chapters. And then God spoke to me and said, Ben, I created you like this. I watch Lucas sometimes. Dude will play with one toy for about seven and a half seconds. Then he gets up and finds a frying pan for three seconds, the vacuum cleaner for 12 seconds, if you're lucky, opens four cupboards, heads back to the same toy and then does that as a circuit. It's like his workout. But as his dad, I look at that and I take joy in it because I think, look at this kid. He's just into everything. Do you know that your heavenly Father looks at you? This is what God spoke to me. He said, Ben, I look at you sometimes and I think, look at him. Look, he's into everything. He's not there to condemn us. He's there to build us up. He's there to say how proud I am of you. We need to free ourselves from trying to be something. We're not be who He's called you to be. Live your life, love God and love people and God will lead you to that place of encounter with Him every single day. I think sometimes we miss those encounters because we're trying so hard to do it in our own strength. You ever focus on like reading the Word? You're like, I've got to read the Word. I've got to get through the Word. I've got to get through it. What the heck does that mean? Got to get through the Word. Can't understand that. Can't pronounce that. Don't understand this. Why? That's weird. Wow, that's crazy. God, I would never have said that. Can't I? God gets it. 
He loves you. He's for you. And He wants to encounter you. What's the Christian walk? It's finding Jesus every single day. You might find Him on a beach somewhere. Some people love to find Him in creation. And just look around and you have a moment with God. Or you're down at the beach or you're in the mountains and you just look around and say, isn't God so good? You might find Him when you, if you're a parent, when you look at your kids and say, isn't God good? Look how He's blessed me. We've all got things that we, you know, that we would, that we need to change and things that we're working through. How do you get through them? You simply find Jesus every day. And His Word says, my grace will be enough for you. You find me and I'll pour out upon you and do amazing things in and through your life. This is for us as Christians every day. When was the last time you found Jesus? Not, not when was the last time you went to church. I know so many of you are so faithful in that and it's awesome. When was the last time you found Jesus? When was the last time He just spoke to you and you had that, that moment with Him? Maybe, maybe for some of you in here, if we were to be real honest and we were to take down the religious masks that I think we all put up sometimes, you would actually say, Ben, I've, I've actually never... I've never really found him, not that way you're talking about. I follow him. I'm trying to seek him, but I've never really, really found Jesus. I've never had that encounter with him. Where I've surrendered my entire life to his will and his purpose. Maybe you once did and, and you found yourself, you sort of just got busy. Maybe you sort of see yourself like the innkeeper a little bit where you got caught up in the season of busyness and and married life and kids and I, I get it, it can be hard. It's time to find him again. Not through striving, but through receiving. The simple fact that God, I know you love me. I know you died for me so that I can have not religion, but relationship with you through your son. What's the Christmas story? It's finding Jesus. And right across this room, I believe there's people here and in our overflows. If no one could move around, I want us to honour this, this moment. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Please don't disengage. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.